Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. I think my core need as an introvert is to get some alone time with a book and a nice cup of coffee. The greatest need in my life is sleep. I would say one of my core needs, um, in addition to coffee, is just medication. I mean, having an autoimmune disease, I would literally be dead if this technology didn't exist. One of my greatest core needs in my marriage is to be liked. Well, how about you? Do any of those comments resonate with you, or are you looking for something different? On today's Focus on the Family, we'll explore this concept of needs and how we try to meet them, sometimes in healthy or unhealthy ways. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I suppose if we asked our listeners to make a list of their needs, the options would be endless because... Boy, my need for a donut is sky high. (laughs) You know, we're generally needy people. That's the way we come into this world. It's the way we go out. And there are things we'd like to have or would uh, like to change in our lives, throughout our lives. I mean, how many times, if I could just lose a few more pounds, right? On the other hand, I'm sure we'd find a lot of similarities on these lists, a lot of commonality. Things like happiness, success, uh, maybe, most importantly, being loved. Hmm. Um, Who doesn't want those things? We all do at our core. And these needs are common uh, to the human experience. And as we're going to learn today from our great guest, uh, being needy is part of God's design. He wants us and has built us for a relationship where we can do something to meet one another's needs in that Mm -hmm. way. And sometimes we forget that in a very solitary culture like ours has become. Um, I'm excited to talk about this. So, man, pull up a chair, get a tea or coffee, or whatever you like, or a donut <laughs> to dip in, and let's talk about it. Yeah, we have a great guest here. Dr. Kathy Cook is back with us again, and uh, she's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids. She's an author, speaker, educational psychologist, and former teacher, and her passion is to help people experience God's best in their lives as they think and learn and interact with each other. And she has a book that we're going to be talking about today, Five to Thrive, How to Determine If Your Core Needs Are Being Met and What to Do When They're Not. Get your copy by calling 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Kathy, welcome back to Focus. Thank you so much, Jim. It's a delight to be here. You know, one of the things, it's just as I was listening to John, I'm sure someone or many are saying, meeting our core needs, that doesn't even sound Christian because it's mm. about selflessness. So we'll talk first off just about that tug of war. Is is it selfish for us to identify these core needs and say that they need to be met? It's not once you understand what the core needs are. Okay, good. I just want to put people at ease that may have yeah. had that initial reaction. That's a great comment. Like a donut is not a core need. <laughs> hey, you know, are you kidding me? No, a donut is a want. Okay, right now we're in disagreement. Okay. And, and, you know, well, and, hang on. It's a throwdown. It's focus on the family. Okay, by the way, for all the doctors listening, I know donuts are not good for you, okay? So uh, don't email me about that. So I a know donut it. is a want. But an old-fashioned's pretty good. Yeah. You know, and happiness is a want, right? So I think if people confuse needs with wants, then it may feel inappropriate Hmm. and it may feel self-centered and selfish and not biblical. But these core needs are absolutely created in us by God. Okay, and we're going to get to these for the listeners. We're going to unfold these. But right at the beginning here, let's ask that question. Why is the idea of meeting these core needs so important? Emptiness, 
right? It's got to be filled. And, you know, without the, excuse use the word core again, without a solid foundation, without a completeness, then we're always lacking and looking for more. Yeah. Almost in a, an aggressive kind of, I'm dissatisfied, I can't ever be content kind of way. And of course, for believers, there must be a place where we land and we believe and contentment rises there. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I think so often, like with marriage experts I'm talking to, when you look at a person who's had uh, an affair, I've often asked, okay, what is going on there? Because it seems superficial, the act of it. So what's really the pull to jettison everything that you have with your spouse and then reach for something that's like the forbidden fruit? And then what's the outcome of that? There's other stuff at play. It's just not the gratification of a physical act, correct? Absolutely. I I would advocate for the reality that there's an unmet need that that person needed met and saw what I would call a counterfeit way to get it met that he or she thought would be satisfying. And then when it's ultimately not satisfying after a period of time, then you go for another, what's the next best, if you will, drug. And that's a, you know, that is an example that is uh, eye-popping, but you can apply this almost in every area of your life. Whatever you're filling that core need with that isn't healthy, isn't godly, right? Absolutely. Let me let me first for the listener again, can you just name the five so they can get an idea in their head what you're talking about? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and I'll define them with the question that goes along with the core needs. So and then we'll dig into them. Great. Security, who can I trust? Identity, who am I? Belonging, who wants me? Hmm. Purpose, why am I alive? Competence, what do I do well? Yeah, and those are the five. Mm -hmm. So let's unpack it. Uh, Explain why you believe God uh, created us with these holes, that we have these needs in the first place. Why do uh, those holes uh, exist and what do they look like? You know, we were created to be in relationship with God through faith in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. He created us to worship him, to know him, to make him known, to want more of him. Um, He is the solution that we're looking for. He created us to have the need so we would find him. And until we find him and really commit and become Christ's followers in a very real way, we're going to be lacking. And I have great hope that those who don't yet know Christ will find him yeah. as they're driven to more of a completeness and they find out that you know things won't satisfy security, but people will and people disappoint, but God doesn't. Yeah. Now, they may feel God does because they don't know him well enough yet to understand all of that. And that's why you do what you do so well here at Focus is to keep driving people to the reality that it is of God that you That's where the answer well. is. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true for everybody too, by the mm-hmm. way. Christians are not unique that way. When you look at the pain in the world, the brokenness, mm-hmm. it, name the identity group, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. My observation is the thing they're lacking most is a connection to God. Mm-hmm. And so many things fall into place when you know who you are right? in Christ. Exactly. Uh, Kathy, you and I have talked a lot, and you've been here several times, and you share a story about uh, growing up and some of the problems, because you're tall and you self-described as clumsy Mm -hmm. as a little girl who actually was a big girl. Speak to that pain of that and what how that helped shape some of your attitudes and and your own hurts. I really appreciate that. And it was my own pain. I actually really like that phrase, and it might feel 
very insignificant to other people listening with really significant issues. So we don't want to downplay that. But we all do have our brokenness and our pain and our um, whatever. So I was six years old. I was too tall. I stood out in a crowd. I didn't fit in the desk. I tripped over things that weren't there. And I praise God that I had a mom available to me who I knew intuitively I could trust with my heart. Hmm. As I said to her after school one day, Mommy, I don't want to be tall anymore. And Jim, I'm so grateful that she didn't say, well, get over it. You're going to be tall. Right. This is a good word of knowledge for all of us. Mm -hmm. How did she respond? You know, hugs, I'm sure. Affirmation. Affirmation. She felt my pain. And that's security, that your pain is safe, right, with someone, and they're not going to dismiss and judge and say that you're foolish. And the way that my mom um, responded was that she told her husband, my dad, we have a daughter with a perceived problem that can't be changed. She's going to be tall. What can we do to help her? They were solution-focused parents. Mm. And this is what everyone needs. And I want to say, before I go further in the story, that it's never too late. You know, someone's listening, wishing they would have had a mom available. It's never too late to find someone who will hear your heart cry. That can feel awkward, though, if I could be that honest. I sure. mean, if you, you're standing in line getting a coffee saying, can I share my heart with you right <laughs> well, now? I wouldn't choose that person. <laughs> how, but how do you go about, you know, finding that kind of friendship where you can be vulnerable, be who you are, and trust that it's okay? Yeah, part of that security, one of the skills I teach in the book is discernment of how do I know who is responsible and dependable and a truth talker, wisdom walker on Oof. my side. I like that. You know, how do we know that? And that comes through experience. How do we yeah. decide who to give a second chance to versus how do we decide that that person's really off the list for a while because I'm done yeah. being hurt by that? You know, but to finish the story, Jim and John, my mom and dad enrolled me in tap dance class. And ballet. <laughs> That's amazing. And I went from being, you know, really too tall to being the center of the back row, a position <laughs> that I decided was high honor because only the tallest girl was allowed to be there. Yeah. And I became coordinated. And I had belonging there. They didn't tease me for my height. My identity was I'm a dancer. My security, I can trust my mom and I can trust myself because I'm no longer clumsy and I feel safe inside of my own skin. I had purpose to become a dancer competence, I'm a dancer. That one decision for me to cry out and my mom and dad to be solution-focused changed everything for me Mm -hmm. at the age of six. And now as a public speaker, I I honestly believe if I would have lived long, uncomfortable with my body image, would I want to stand before thousands of people Mm -hmm. a month? Yeah, wow. And I wonder if there are people listening now who recognize that there's an unmet need because of that pain that they weren't able to share, and they've walked wounded now into adulthood, trying to still meet that need, that's legitimate pain. Right. It's yours, and we're not going to tease you for it, and we've got some solutions. Right. We've got some no, answers. That's so true. Well, I mm-hmm. hope this is connecting with folks. Let's uh, move into more of the content. When you teach people about core needs, those five that you identified, security, identity, belonging, purpose, competence. Uh, you have a motto. You say, live long and be strong, which I, we're kind of talking about. But what are you meaning by that statement so it's clear? Yeah, thanks for bringing that out. You know, again, 
when we're children and teens and young adults, we can really feel broken and we can wonder, you know, why am I tall? Or why, like another example would be that I was a chatty Cathy as a child. And because I was raised well, I didn't get into a lot of trouble talking, but all three of us here are, are chatty, right? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be radio hosts if you weren't. And I bet you agree with me that we can gossip well and tease well and name call <laughs> no. well. Yes, if we don't have righteousness <laughs> as our goal. And, you know, the security of glorifying God and the purpose of that, of course, we would be dangerous. So as a chatty Cathy as a kid, and now, you know, I get paid to talk. And it's not about the money. It's about that's opportunity that God's given me a platform of influence and impact. I was accused of having diarrhea of the mouth yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> come on, you know. So negative and yet yes, you know, It true. hurt me, it did, it, it wounded me, but I get the point now. You do, and so that was God's design for you because Ephesians 2.10 declares that he will give you good gifts in advance that you would walk in them. And if we would have had parents that would have said, be quiet, be quiet, shut up, would you go find something to do? We would not be on the radio together today. That's <laughs> so funny. You know, it's we true. had people who supported who we were. And so one of my passions, guys, is that we would help children understand that childhood comes before adulthood. And that we as adults who minister hope and healing to children, whether we do that as teachers, pastors, friends, aunts, parents, grandparents, that we would see in them a gift and help them find the boundaries and the blessings that would allow it to become the way that they glorify God. Yeah. In fact, Kathy, the point of this for me, for Focus on the Family, is the family is where these things should be remedied, yes. where these holes that you possess should be lovingly overcome. That's a healthy family. And directed toward that use of the gift when they're adults, right? I mean, this is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and our guest, uh, Dr. Kathy Cook, has written a terrific book, Five to Thrive, for uh, really just getting into the content. Uh, Go ahead and uh, go online. We've got a list kind of summarizing these five uh, characteristics, and then uh, get a copy of Kathy's book as well. It's focusonthefamily.ca, or you can call 800, the letter A in the word family. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com slash radio. One in five households cares for a child with special needs. Is yours one of them? If so, we know you want your child to be taken care of no matter what happens. If you want to secure your child's future by preparing a will but need extra guidance for your unique situation, Focus on the Family can help. Download our resource, 15 Questions to Ask If You Have a Child with Special Needs. It's our gift to you at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Special Needs eBook. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kathy, uh, application, just kind of a practical application in this regard. You have a story about your niece, Betsy, that illustrates how, how this core needs model can help us diagnose and even solve problems we may be facing. What happened with Betsy? Yeah, my oldest niece, um, so my brother Dave and Deb, they're just great parents. And 
Betsy's her oldest. We have three kids. And Betsy was going through a challenging time. She was suddenly disobedient, suddenly disrespectful, um, becoming independent, like almost overnight and wanting to reject mom and dad's input. My brother took a new job, was traveling a bit. And, we, and she was how old? She was um, maybe 14 okay. when this began. Kind of normal. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yet, again, my parent, their, her parents, my brother, praise God, were solution-focused, right? And they weren't going to let it ride. Mm. This is not Betsy. They knew that this is not Betsy, and this is not who we want her to become. So they wanted to add, again, more boundaries and say to her, this is wrong, and we're going to put in some constraint. And uh, Dave and Deb relocated to a Philadelphia suburb, and Betsy had a new school, new classmates, new activities, Um, developed a relationship with a young man who ended up being good for her. And in that shift, what we saw was security, identity, belonging, purpose, and competence all changed because Dave and Deb were able to relocate and get her away from a peer group that ended up being the problem. Mm, Kind of a reset. Exactly, exactly. The issue for Betsy was um, aligning herself with a, a girl who ended up not being a good role model for her and not being able to extricate herself from that, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest things kids do is try to dismiss a friend that they've got. How do I get rid of her without hurting her? And it was awkward. Yeah, no, it's and so true. So, you know, I think, again, to identify, okay, this is not normal, what my husband or wife or aging parent or child or myself, this isn't normal. This isn't me. What's driving this? Yeah. For Betsy, it was a need to belong, She was looking for a relationship that she thought was going to make her popular, which would become her identity and her security. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And so fortunately, Deb and Dave saw that, Mm. distanced her from that girl, did not allow her to see her anymore outside of school hours. And then, praise God, really the relocation made it all a whole lot easier. Yeah, those are painful decisions. They are. Tough to do. They are. And if we can begin to see our own struggles through this grid of these five, I think it changes everything. Yeah. I know well, in my life it does. Let's dig in to each one now. We've kind of covered at a high level. You've given us a couple of examples. Let's spend the rest of today, and then we'll come back tomorrow and continue to do that. But let's go back to security. Give us a, that definition again, and then I'm going to dig into it on security. Okay, security is defined by the question, who can I trust? We cannot place our security in things because they will fade away. Income, popularity, the job at this place, my grades, my beauty. It's dangerous. It's very common today to try to find our security in those things, but it's not going to work. Security is always found in people. So security is number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, from a Christian perspective, we find that in Christ. There's scriptures that that are Jesus is the right answer here for the question, right? the Sunday school answer. That's the Sunday school answer. (laughs) But it's hard to get that into your heart. I mean, I meet a lot of Christians who fret. Yes. I'm always perplexed by that, where it says, you know, don't trust in your circumstances, but trust in the Lord. And we struggle with that as human beings. It's not a natural thing to say when the wind's blowing and the ship's sinking to go, hey, I'm cool. I'm fine because God's in control. It's very not human to be like yeah. that. <laughs> so because we think the security is in ourselves. Correct, that we can save ourselves. That we can save ourselves and that we can figure this out. And John, let me elaborate on what you said. You know, I love that the Christ is the right answer. What I believe is that it's the triune God. And I think one of the things that we've done badly in some of our churches and some of our family dynamics, if you will, is not recognize all of God. Mm. I can trust God because he chose to create me when he didn't have to, but he wanted to because he had so much love to share and he chose to share it with me. 
and I was created in his image, I can trust Jesus because he went to the cross on my behalf. How much more would he be willing to do? Yeah, that's it. And then I can trust the Holy Spirit because the scripture declares that he is a comforter, a constant companion, a convictor, a friend, and the one that will teach us to unpack the scripture. So it's the whole of God that I can trust in. That's good. I like that. Let's quickly go to the second of the five, okay. which is identity. Um, define that for us and explain why you believe so many people are experiencing an identity crisis today. I think of all the five, culturally, this is the one we're so inept about. Hmm. Right. And I'll, I'll say, I agree, the identity crisis is right. huge. And I'm going to back up and say, I think it's because security is messed up. Right. Okay. Right? That's true. So a lot of people say that, oh, it's the identity crisis, and it is. But it's a crisis of identity because we are lacking in security. Yeah, no, Security should be in the triune God, in people who are trustworthy, and in ourselves at the right level. So even that, it's symptomatic of the security issue, but it manifests in a lack of understanding identity. Absolutely. Mm. Beautifully stated. So identity is who am I, not who was I, and not who do I want to be, although there's a a point for thinking to the future. It's who am I, and it, it needs to be current, it needs to be honest, it needs to be complete. We should not lie to ourselves, and we should not allow others to lie about themselves. If we hear mm-hmm. that happen, we need to correct that. So yeah, it's huge. It's who am I, it's, and it's rooted in character. Yeah. And then skills and abilities and other kinds of things. Kathy, in that regard, you know, being a parent of a teen boy, and you know, again, just generally speaking about this, on the one hand, you know, I hope you're doing well. You're so great. You're awesome. I love you. And it sometimes seems to just hit the wall and fall, mm-hmm. like they don't believe it. Yeah. And you want them to because you mean it. But it's almost like, how do you get from simply stating it, phrasing it? to where they can accept it, they can hear it, they can believe it. Part of it is our specific language. You're awesome because... Giving it more context. Absolutely. You know, I appreciate how creative you've become. Um, I never could have created that kind of art. I really admire your talent. You know, I appreciate how patient you were as you taught your brother that new game. You honored him. So specificity is really important. Because it's believable, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if I say to you, you guys are great at this, you can say, well, thanks so much. But if I say you're great because, it's harder for you to deny what I'm saying to you. So it takes more effort for the mom and dad and the spouse. That's exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely. We have to observe longer, listen with greater intent, and back it up with what that because statement. I love the phrase, I know because. You're artistic, I know because. You're capable of this, I know, because. This is what you did last week. I've seen you study. Go for it. Yeah. Mm. No, that's really good. That's good. You've identified, and this is a good place to land, you've identified several uh, Bible verses that help us see our identity from God's perspective. And so often, um, I think I'm beginning, even at my age, to begin to understand and resonate. It's hard to believe some of these things, that God would see us this way. And what I mean by that, it's hard for us to accept Mm -hmm. that God loves us so deeply because we don't love ourselves that much. Right? Right, right. So what are those verses? Or give us a couple. You know, there's almost 100 I am and I have statements in the New Testament. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am loved. I'm created in the image of God. I'm a... You know, holy nation, a royal priesthood. I'm holy and without blame before him. I'm accepted in Christ. I am forgiven. I am sealed. I'm gifted, Ephesians 2.10. We've got to help people understand that 
who God says we are is way more important than who we think we are or what the culture says we are. This is why we have to be in the Word of God. Yes. And one of the things I tell parents is, you know, teach the Word of God to your children. Declare the Word of God over them. Pray it over them. You know what, guys? Wouldn't it be amazing if the last thing we said to our children at night was something God would say if he were there with an audible voice? Mm. And what if we woke them up? And said something to them that God would declare to them if he yeah. were speaking. Because it's God's word that is life to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what, Jim? It's a choice to believe. I, You know, I'm an imperfect person. And there are days I struggle. And there are days when I don't like certain things or whatever. And that's okay to own that and to walk through that and question, okay, Kathy, where's the lie? Why have I gotten sucked into this competitive mentality and mm-hmm. yada, yada, whatever? And then to come back to the word. And I don't say that lightly. It's a choice. Yeah. And again, that's the identity rooted in security of how God sees us. I mean, that's so good. These two tie together so beautifully. They do. Picture the double-sided arrow, if you will, between the two. And it does become a problem-solving tool when we begin to question, why are our kids behaving this way? Why am I behaving this way? <laughs> you know, why have I become competitive? That's a security issue. Mm. Is popularity all of a sudden important to me? No, it's we got to go there. Well, I'm we? glad we're at the end because uh, <laughs> you're kind of <laughs> yeah. poking where it's a little tender here. Uh, Kathy, this has been so fascinating, yeah. so good. And we've just started. We've got more to cover, three more of these core needs that people have. Let's come back next time and do that, right? Can I'd you be do honored it? to. Thank you. And then in the meantime, my goodness, everybody, Five to Thrive. This is a great tool for you, to, for yourself, for your parenting journey, for your marriage, for every interaction with another human being. And unless you're locked in a closet somewhere, you never plan to come out, don't bother getting a book. But if you're going to have interaction with people, I think you need a copy of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Focus on the Family can provide that. So just call us and get in touch with us. John will give those details. And if you can make a gift of any amount to Focus, and we're going to use those resources that you provide to help marriages, to help children, to help save a baby's life. Um, so if you can send a gift of any amount, we'll send you Kathy's book. Uh, as our way of saying thank you for standing with Focus and doing ministry together. That's the great thing. Once we cover the cost of the book, everything else goes right into ministry. Well, and we uh, we want to encourage you to consider making a monthly pledge if you can, or certainly a generous one-time gift makes a difference as well. Uh, no amount is too small, and please contact us today to make that donation. 800, the letter A in the word family, or online, we're at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. You know, I think, John, you ought to tell people of the great benefits that you provide with monthly givers. Like, I'm a monthly supporter of this ministry. I mm-hmm. believe in Focus on the Family. I'm not here just because of Celebrate Kids. I believe in what you do. And the monthly supporters get great um, <laughs> return get on investment. Yeah, you get downloads. We get, get downloads. We get great emails from you, Jim, that are really encouraging. No, I so that. I really hope that people will take you seriously and choose to support and it, you. It is such a great way to even out you know, the budget here at Focus. That is a wonderful thing when people support monthly, which Gene and I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do too. Yeah, so so all join us. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that support. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you can join Kathy and Jim and me as well by being a monthly supporter when you donate at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks so much for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Kathy Cook and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. It's really nice to not have to sort of pre-screen Clubhouse. Focus on the Family has wonderful Bible-based resources that your kids will love. It's nice to know that we can trust Focus on the Family to, to publish good things and to supply our children with things that will grow their faith and encourage them. Learn more about Focus on the Family Clubhouse and Focus on the Family Clubhouse Junior Magazines at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Club Radio. Today we're going to hear more from Dr. Kathy Cook about what our core needs are and how to fulfill those in appropriate ways. And last time, Dr. Cook described her own childhood struggle of being too tall. My mom and dad enrolled me in tap dance class and ballet. <laughs> That's amazing. And I went from being, you know, really too tall to being the center of the back row, a position <laughs> that I decided was high honor because only the tallest girl was allowed to be there. Yeah. And I became coordinated. And I had belonging there. They didn't tease me for my height. My identity was I'm a dancer. My security, I can trust my mom and I can trust myself because I'm no longer clumsy and I feel safe inside of my own skin. I had purpose to become a dancer, competence, I'm a dancer. That one decision for me to cry out and my mom and dad to be solution focused changed everything for me at the age of six. This is Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller. John, we had a great conversation last time with Kathy about how God specifically designed us with holes. And everybody's going, what? Uh, Those are the areas of need that we have as human beings created in God's image. He did this. He put these needs in us, I think, for interdependence. So we would have relationship and we would do what we can, humanly speaking, to meet each other's needs in that way, in a healthy way. Uh, The problem, of course, is that we often try to fill those needs with the wrong things. Uh, For example, we think we need to be happier or more successful, but the real need is for security, not Mm. those other things. So we become materialistic to try to meet that need. As human beings living in a fallen world, we may chafe at this idea that we're needy or that God's the only one that can fulfill our needs. That strikes right at our pride and Mm. challenges Uh, the false sense of self-sufficiency that so many people have. But you know what? We can rely upon something even better. Matthew 6, 33 simply said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is another area. Not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. These are great promises, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to the rest of our discussion with Dr. Kathy Cook today. Yeah, she is uh, the founder and president of Celebrate Kids and the co-founder of Ignite the Family, uh, a former professor and school teacher. She's passionate about helping us uh, understand who we are in Christ and uh, living well, and uh, we had a great conversation last time, Jim, and I'll encourage our Uh, friends to stop by the website for the app, the download, the link to the YouTube uh, episode. We've got it all there. And of course, we also have the book that Kathy has written that is really fundamental to the conversation. Uh, It's called Five to Thrive, How to Determine if Your Core Needs Are Being Met and What to Do When They're Not. 
Again, stop by the website to get your copy. It's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Kathy, welcome back to Focus. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. As we start, uh, we need to give our listeners a quick overview of what we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You identified five core needs that your book is based upon. We covered two of them last time. Uh, Describe all five and a quick summary of security and identity, which we covered last time. Sure. So uh, security, who can I trust? Our security should be placed in people who are trustworthy. Um, That would be God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, uh, people who have proven themselves to be responsible, dependable, truth talkers, and then our own selves in addition to, but not instead of that, because I agree with the scripture from Proverbs that we don't want to lean on our own understanding, but I also want us to grow up and mature and have the um, ability to, to respond to the Holy Spirit inside of ourselves so that we can be doing right even if no one is watching, Mm -hmm. if you will. So that's security. And then that leads to identity. Who am I? Not who was I, not who do I want to be, but do we have a complete, honest, um, accurate understanding of who we are? Identity controls behavior. So it's really important that we know who we are, not who does mom say we are, not who a husband wishes we were, but who are we? And do we walk with integrity in that? It's rooted in security. No security, no identity. Yeah. When we have our security and identity, then we can develop our belonging, which is who wants me. Does anyone know that I'm alive? Who can I hang out with? Belonging. We all have a need wired into us by God for community, for connection, for relationship. This is what drives us to healthy relationships is that inner need. There's no um, weakness to admit that we have that need. It's wired into us by God. And then purpose, why am I alive? Why did God bother making me? And I believe that it's rooted in our security, identity, and belonging. We were created to serve people. If we know our identity and our strength and our passion, and we have a security and trustworthiness and people we can depend upon to help us grow, then we will discover our purpose. And then that leads to competence. What do I do well? And one of the things that's so important about that by intro is that I don't need your competencies because I'm not you. And you don't need mine because you're not me. I need the competencies I need to fulfill my purpose, which is why we have to stop comparing ourselves to everybody and judging, and then we're never content because I'm not as good as or as fast as or as bright as. No, be who you were created to be so you can fulfill your purpose in the gifts that you have by your creator because God is good. Something that sounds so simple but gets so complicated (laughs) in this life. You know, that's why... Scripture warns us not to be jealous and all those other things. But Kathy, let me let me back up one bit before we move forward. And um, you know, oftentimes in the Christian community, we look at some of the sciences, particularly psychology, and we're like, eh, some of it sounds like psychobabble, you know. Mm-hmm. And we get that. And with that psychobabble, we would agree. But so often, um, the sciences are actually buttressing the Scripture. That's what's exciting for me is that it doesn't make it uh, inconsistent. What I see is consistency. But speak to that issue where, you know, if we're back in our college psychology classes and we're thinking of Maslow or Mm -hmm. some of the other uh, Freud and those kinds Mm -hmm. of things, there are elements that are probably accurate in what they had to say. But again, uh, from a Christian perspective, we're revealing, we're finding these things out as to how God has wired the human brain, right? Absolutely. You know, when I was a professor, I used to teach those secular views, if you will, and they were so incomplete. Like, I would teach them and I would have to teach them. They were in the textbooks, if you will. And and yet I knew that there's something wrong here. And sometimes they had the order wrong. They'd put identity first. Mm-hmm. No, you have to have security first. That's why 
being a believer changes everything because then you have a security that's rooted in someone you can totally trust in all circumstances. So I think it's often incomplete versus complete. And often the secular model, the psychology might be very self-sufficient. And this is where back in my day, I was teaching and thinking, whoa, this makes me really nervous. And you know, to God be the glory, he said, Kathy, open my word. Hmm. Right. And it changed everything for me and allowed me to take some very good research and add, if you will, the biblical truth to it and examine it from God's perspective. And then when he revealed to a group of us that we're created by God with these needs, mm-hmm. so he has to be the one to fill them. Yes. I mean, that's it. I love that simple premise, uh, we're created in God's image. Absolutely. When you start any vocation from that perspective, I don't care if you're the electrician, the plumber, or the PhD in physics, trying to discover his secrets. When you start with the idea that we're made in his image, it changes how you approach life. It does. And he is security, and he has security. He is identity, and he has identity. His name is I Am. Mm. Right. He is belonging, the triune God. He has belonging, right? He has purpose. He is purpose. He has competence. He's very good at being God. And he can be our competence. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, he fulfills it all. Absolutely. And that's, mm-hmm. boy, that's the appeal. If you don't know the Lord, call us. We'd love to talk to you more yeah. about why we believe. It is not insane to believe a creator of the universe created you. Amen. And I also want to encourage all of us to be discipled in the ways of God. I regret, as I say in my book, how long I knew God and plateaued there. Just happy I'm a believer. Not understanding how much more of God I I needed to lean into yeah. for the completeness that he would bring to my life that changes everything. All right, let's get into number three. Uh, the third uh, need that you've identified is belonging, as you said a moment ago. Uh, kind of the question, who wants me? And I'm sure most people understand the value of relationships and community. I think there's a resurgence, a reawakening of that. Um, but what do you say to the person who communicates, <laughs> just leave me alone? Whoa, very independent kind of pioneer yeah. spirit. We get that a lot out in the West here in the United States, but uh, the uh, leave me alone attitude. I wonder if that's a false security. <laughs> and I wonder if they've taken that to the extreme as their identity. You know, I'm a loner and I'm capable and I don't need anybody. We were created for community. You cannot deny that. We were created, we're better off with accountability, with responsibility, with uh, the joy that comes from serving others. Um, We were created to leave the world a better place. You know, Ephesians 2.10 declares that we should walk in the gifts that we have. That means that we serve with them, that we look for opportunities to be a blessing to others. And I think, and I'm independent, and you know what? I've had three knee surgeries. The first knee surgery was God's gift to me because I had to learn to ask for help. Wow. Mm. And it changed me radically. I could not go to the grocery store for Pete's sake. And I had to decide, okay, shoot, I guess I'm weak and I need help. No, I wasn't weak. I had knee surgery. My identity was I had knee surgery and, you know, help me. And then I found out, of course, who my true friends were. Uh, So we are created for relationship. It really Mm -hmm. does matter. We leave the world a better place when we leave a bit of ourselves with others, right? Kathy, let me ask this, maybe selfishly, because I'm a man, is that oftentimes men are labeled as the loners. You, You hear about that. You know, we're not... I guess some would say maybe we're not wired for community. Um, I don't think that's true, but I think a lot of men uh, fall back on that excuse that you know we don't have a lot of friends typically. Just in the general stereotype, mm-hmm. we may have one good friend, but I, I think the stats are pretty dismal that sixty, seventy percent of men say they really don't have a close friend. 
why do we have more of that independent, isolated attitude with males? It's a fair question. You know, God makes us differently. I think um, I think there are women who don't need as many friends as some women. I think it has to do with introverted, extroverted, whether we're self-smart or people-smart. You know, so temperament and wiring. Temperament, wiring, self-smart people think deeply inside of themselves and don't have as much of a need to share with others. Um, men have as many feelings as women have, but men don't have emotional vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Women do. We have a thesaurus for emotion. Yeah, right. And so it's harder for men to, whether with another man or with a woman, even a spouse, house, uh, a wife, it's harder to um, declare how I'm feeling. And that can mean, that can make me feel like I've isolated. But you know what, Jim, we all need community because God created us for a relationship. We know that relationship with him so that we would want relationship with others, if I can put it that way. So I think there are men who crave more and need to respond to that. If your identity is, I'm lonely, if your identity is, I don't feel known, if your identity is those kinds of things, then recognize that and look to repair. Right. And what's the rest of you? Are you creative, outgoing, a quick thinker, mathematical? Do you like golf? What's the rest of your identity? And then you find your belonging in people who have something in common with you. So I wonder if that lack of belonging is sometimes rooted in an incomplete or unhealthy identity. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God promises to intervene when we pray, seek His face, and turn from our wicked ways. And as we approach Independence Day, will you join me in praying for our nation, praying for our communities, praying for our families, and especially praying for our pre-born babies? You can download your prayer guide at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash PrayForAmerica. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Pray, the number four, America. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. I'm thinking about social media. And, you know, some people are fulfilled there. They Mm. chatter all day long and probably spend way too much time in that medium. Others are super lonely, even though they're in there. I mean, the loneliness index, I think, as they've kept it the last 20, 30 years, is as high as it's ever been Mm -hmm. right now. Yet we're still, like, really connected through social media. What it says to me is this is not a real connection. This isn't the way God wired us for connection to provide a tweet. Mm -hmm. He wants us to have interaction. There's something biochemically that happens to us when we're actually communicating eyeball to eyeball, hearing each other, um, embracing each other, that kind of thing. Speak to the loneliness when we try to answer that question, who wants me, in the social media context where Oh, the answer is nobody. Uh, mm. It's well stated. You know, I'm all over social media. There's nothing inherently horrible in it unless I'm trying to meet my need for belonging there. Right. A need so you got to know that's not the reason to right. go there. No. The need for belonging is legitimate, and it's going to be met with um, true accountability, responsibility, intimacy, knowing each other, 
um, sharing values, sharing ideas, um, hanging out, iron sharpening iron. You know, I obviously love that verse. Social media is an add-on to that. And I think one of the reasons that it can create a loneliness is we can fake it to make it there. And so we flip our identity in different groups and we flip our identity when we're posting about different things. And we see inconsistency in people. They're desperately trying to fit in and figure it out. And it breaks you because you can't be all things to all people in that way, nor should you try to be. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. I, I'm thinking, you know, my kids have friends. I'm interacting with teens. My heart breaks for them. Absolutely. And I'm thinking of this specific question of who wants me. Because mm-hmm. some are desperately asking that question. Mm-hmm. And I guess for the parents particularly of that teen that they're worried about, that he's not or she's not connecting and she's struggling with the answer to that question because mm-hmm. they're not looking for it in their relationship with their parents they kind of take that one for granted of course you want me you're my mom and dad mm-hmm. but nobody else wants me mm-hmm. and they go into their bedroom mm-hmm. and they are lost speak to both parts of that equation the parents who are trying to help and then the loneliness of that teenager's heart way to ask easy questions jim um you know, I actually, kids tell me all the time, and teens tell me, Dr. Kathy, my parents love me. They have to. They don't have a choice. I right. wish they liked me. Yeah. Ooh. I wish they liked me. How, okay. Let's press on that yeah, for a minute. For yeah. the parent, what does that yeah. mean to really like your kid? Yeah. And the language that they get, that yeah. they receive. Absolutely. You know, they. I don't think they mind that I'm in my bedroom because it gives them the space to do their thing. Wow. You know, dad never takes me on errands anymore. I've actually had some children tell me that they don't like that their mom has groceries delivered because they don't get to go on the grocery run with mom anymore wow. and talk in the car. Now, I'm if I'm a busy mom, like I think grocery delivery must be amazing for those moms. Right. But I think from the child's perspective, they miss out on those opportunities to just hang out together and to have just unique conversations about what's going on in life. So the board game and the hike in the woods and the you know basketball free throws, I mean, good old-fashioned play and hanging out. And I think we say to our son, come on, I need you in the living room. It's called the living room. Let's live in the living room. (laughs) Without a TV. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so let's hang out. And let's use the web and research together. And let's, you know, discover some groups on social media that we can both be in because we like state parks and there's a really cool Colorado State Park group or whatever. So it's not, you know, to ban them from using it, but it's to maybe kind of rambling, but teach them how to use it well at the same time that you say, no, I want you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I miss you. Hmm. Let's have a conversation. Uh, Kathy, I was intrigued by your chapter on purpose, uh, moving from the who wants me to the why am I alive? Mm -hmm. I think it's a great question. And boy, you answer it differently from 15 to 20 to 25. Hopefully by about 25, you're figuring this out. And hopefully in that Christian context, the why am I alive? What purpose? Uh, You address the problem of negativity in today's culture. We've hit on that. And you quoted someone that you observed who said this, this generation doesn't have anything to live for because they don't believe anything is worth dying for. Mm -hmm. That is a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Why that observation? Why is it true? You know, passion. Passion motivates us to get up in the morning. Passion motivates us to pursue truth. Passion motivates us to, to learn something so that we can, again, contribute back to that belonging component yeah. which precedes purpose, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So the inaccurate identity, the inconsistencies, the trying to be all things to all people, the just the messy messages that they're hearing, the lies, the, the, the lack of truth is so confusing to them. And what is worth dying for? 
I mean, that's an interesting concept. I mean, it's not something we want anybody to do. Right. But, right. you know, you look at the founding fathers. They laid it on the line. Right. They wanted freedom. They wanted freedom of uh, religious expression. They wanted to be free from the monarchy. Yeah. They didn't feel they should be paying taxes to them, etc. They obviously felt those are things we're dying for. Yeah. What about today? You know, so what are our values? And what are we raising children and teens to believe matters? right? Christ, evangelism, discipleship, rescuing the disenfranchised. Um, you know, what is it? Um, what is our purpose? Why am I alive? We're alive to serve. We're alive to glorify God through who we are and not just what we do, which is why character is so important. Um, we're alive to leave the world a better place through the gifts that we've been given, which we're not going to do if we keep lusting after somebody else's gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not. We reject ourselves because we're not as good as or no, it's not about competition. You were created for such a time as this with this identity, you know, chatty Kathy, whatever, <laughs> you know, be that to the glory of God. So do we help our people understand who they are, who they've been called to serve so that they will want to wake up every day and do it? And that is good. I mean, to me, this is one of the core things that you need your teenagers to really think about and to try to enter these dialogues about why you're created, what is your purpose, in a very thoughtful way, not in a demeaning way. And as my wife, Jean, would say to me, Jim, don't answer the question when you ask it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, Troy, what's your purpose? Look, can I give you a few ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a bad habit, I got. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, no, it's so good. And, I, you know, I tell young people, they don't like this, and I, I don't really care, but I tell young people that your purpose is first-time obedience, because that glorifies God, and learning all that you can in all the ways that you can, again, to the glory of God. I would say that if they're believers. So for children and teens, childhood causes adulthood. Childhood leads to something. You're not, you're still a child. Revel in that and allow yourself to be a child who's learning and dreaming of the tomorrows. And then we, as the mature adults, provide direction. We're the compass that points due north. And we say, I've noticed this about you. I wonder if you might want to pursue this as a hobby. Or, you know, I've noticed that you ask a lot of questions about weather. You know, the weatherman, let's invite him over for lunch. He goes to our church. Let's have a conversation and just find (laughs) out what his background is. Because kids are confused. And it's not all about career. It's about relationship. It's my purpose to be a good person, a righteous Christ follower, and Will I be a good wife or husband if marriage is in my future? Will I be a good mom or dad? It's not about just career, although that's, of course, a big passion of the parent is to launch them into something. Right. Okay, Kathy, we've got to get to number five right here at the end, competence. Uh, The competence factor, uh, this can make people feel a little uncomfortable because, you know, especially in Christian circles, if you feel really gifted at something, mathematics, science, whatever it might be, uh, sometimes you have to downplay our ability because it's uh, more humble, I guess. First of all, talk about competence in that context. What is arrogance and what is competence? And uh, I guess maybe that's the question. Wow. Well, competence is being able to do what I've been called to do, which is why it follows purpose. If I know why I was created, why am I alive? then I will be motivated to discover the competence that allows me to be successful. And if I find out that I have a particular competence of creative writing or mathematical brilliance or debating without anger, then that competence can back up to discovering a purpose in a way that I could serve 
in the community or in the church or even within my family. Right, a vocational or a volunteer role. Right, so competence is an ability to do what I've been called to do. You know, arrogance is thinking that my ability is more important than yours and that I have more of it. No, and there's no place for that. I get that. The culture screams of that. Social media screams of that. It's one of the reasons that we're never content because we can always see somebody else who has something more Hmm. that we think we need. We don't need what they have. We need our competence given to us by God. He is our competence. He teaches it. And yeah, absolutely. I could go on and on. No, that is so good. And and we're going to touch on this one lightly, but people need to get the book. Let me end with this one. There were, again, in that context of being content in who God has created in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are things about yourself in the past that you didn't like, Um, your height, your clumsiness. We talked a bit about that yesterday. But today you see them as strengths. These are things that can work for you. Describe what they are beyond, you know, those things and how they've turned into your strengths. Yeah, you know, well, let me share this. I'm, spelling doesn't come naturally to me. Thank I'm, you. You know, I, thank you. Yeah. You know, I'm logic smart. I want the rules to work. I, you know, the letter C gets in the way. We really don't need it. Um, the silent K, how ridiculous is that? So, but I'm an author of six books and I have an earned PhD in reading. You lead with your strengths. I think one of the most important things about competence is, I mean, yeah, know the challenge so that you don't hurt yourself or others with it and surround yourself with help. So, members of my staff proofread my work. And I travel with the misspeller's dictionary so I can find the word the way I think it should be spelled. And it'll tell me how to spell it. Mm. So competence isn't perfection. That's a lie from the devil. Competence is an ability that you need. And you always lead with your strengths. Yeah. And you make sure that the weaknesses don't get in the way. I think that's what I want people to hear. Uh, Kathy, this has been a rich conversation that's given me and so many of the listeners a lot to think about. Uh, things to pray about, too, frankly. And as I so appreciate your passion and heart to help people live godly and healthy lives uh, the way we were designed to do it. And that's what I love. It's that illumination of how this all fits together, the way we're wired, the way we behave, those things that uh, shape us. Uh, Thank you for this great book, Five to Thrive, How to Determine if Your Core Needs Are Being Met and What to Do When They're Not. And the good thing is here, everybody, this is all rooted in your relationship with Christ. And uh, it's not that cycle babble that we talk about, but it's understanding the wiring that's there that scientists can see, but then wrapping that idea that we're made in God's image around it all. And that's what I love. Thank you for equipping us to uh, have a conversation that is deep and uh, you know, very helpful to everybody, including ourselves and those around us. You're very welcome. It's truly a joy to participate with you at Focus. Mm. Yeah. Well, we do encourage you to get a copy of this great book from Dr. Kathy Cook. It's called Five to Thrive, How to Determine if Your Core Needs Are Being Met and What to Do When They're Not. We've only really been able to touch on these points a little bit. The book is much more in-depth, and it's going to be very helpful for you as an individual or as a spouse or as a parent or all three of those roles. It'll help you really grow, and uh, we have the book online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 1-800-the-letter-A-and-the-word-family. And John, as always, uh, just make a gift of any amount. We'll get the book to you. If you can't afford it, we believe in the content that Dr. Kathy has put together. Mm-hmm. If you can't afford it, just get a hold of us. We'll trust others will cover the cost. Yeah, we're listener-supported, and we really appreciate your generosity. Uh, a monthly pledge can help make a big difference, allowing us to serve needy families on an ongoing basis. A one-time gift is great as well, so please donate as you can. Again, our number, 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. 
On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.